welcome back to Millennial Ag, where agriculture is always on tap and no topic is off limits. Thanks for joining us today, your co-hosts, Valine Likely and Catherine Lotspeech. Listeners, thanks for tuning in to this week's episode. It's, I think, 81, which is just mind-blowing to me that we've made it that far and headed almost to year two. We've still got a few months to go to hit that two-year mark, but it's coming pretty quickly. Um, This week, we're excited um, to dive into some new technology and new things that are happening in the Magic Valley, which is Southern Idaho. Um, There seems like there's just a lot of cool opportunities in agriculture right now. We talked to Governor Little, and he kind of alluded to some on the state state a state scale, um, but we're going to dive into um, a specific one this week. We've got uh, Mr. J.C. Olson with Schooler here this week, um, so we're really excited to have him. Thanks for joining us, J.C. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Um, I don't do a lot of these, so we'll probably uh, try to make it interesting for your listeners and fail, but we'll see what happens. <laughs> I don't think there's ever such thing as a true failure, but we'll, we'll keep it interesting, if anything. Do you want to tell listeners kind of who you are, where you come from, and who Schooler, what, what Schooler Grain does? Uh, sure. Uh, J.C. Olson. I, I actually live in Jerome, uh, Jerome County, Idaho. Um, my background is in animal science um, initially, and I went off to uh, Utah State at University oh, yeah. in Logan, Utah, uh, <laughs> as we were talking about. So go Aggies. Uh, sorry, Rams. Sorry, <laughs> Vandals. Um, but uh, I, I quickly realized that I wasn't sure I wanted to compete in the uh, animal nutrition space. And so I went back and did uh, some advanced um, uh, education and economics. Um, and here I am. I've been with the schooler company for about 12 years now. Um, most of that has been in the Magic Valley. Um, and if you want me to just go right into it, I could talk a little bit about the company. I'm, I'm pretty proud of, of who we are. I don't know if that's where you want to go or not. Yeah, please go ahead. Um, so Schooler is uh, about 120, I'll just say 130 year old company. Uh, we're privately owned, uh, employee owned. And uh, we are involved in uh, grain, food and feed. And that is how our company is structured. Um, you know, I pulled up uh, just because I think it's, it's really uh, well articulated Uh, I pulled up our mission statement, you know, traditionally we're a grain company and uh, we're very involved and we'll continue to evolve and grow in in the grain industry, uh, grain storage and handling. But uh, our, our mission is truly to create safe and reliable supply chain solutions for our feed and food customers around the world. Um, And what that really entails is everything from food ingredients that end up on the label in uh, CPGs, you know, consumer packaged goods, um, all the way across to pet food, um, as well as uh, transportation solutions for our customers. Uh, We are based in Omaha, Nebraska, uh, but we have about 120 facilities throughout North America, uh, Mexico, uh, North uh, USA and Canada. And we're growing rapidly in Asia, and we have a little bit of uh, established uh, presence down in South America. We do business in about 80 countries. Um, We're heavily involved in the aquaculture industry, uh, which is partially what we're going to talk about today. Um, But we're very diversified, and our our way of approaching business is really empowering that local 
uh, that local team to engage with the customer and find um, the appropriate value-added solutions for their business and their needs. Very cool and really diverse, you know, market share. It seems like what portion of the company are you involved with? So I am part of our feed division and that's comprised of, uh, I'll say two business units. One is what we call feed co-products and that is focused on, uh, you know, these byproducts uh, primarily and co-products from the processing industries and supplying uh, dairies and, and beef operations and poultry um, you know, and others um, with the feed ingredients they need to, to have their uh, optimal rations. And um, again, the focus is on supply chain solutions and, and bringing high quality ingredients on time at the quality that they need. Uh, the other segment of our division is what we call the high value nutritional proteins, excuse me, high nutritional value proteins. And that space is really focused on bringing um, value added dense uh, protein ingredients into, for example, pet food and the aquaculture industry. Um, so we try to uh, really serve the pet food industry um, with uh, food safe products. Um, we're involved in, in all segments of the supply chain around uh, aquaculture from fish meal to fish oils and, and other alternative veg proteins. Um, but that's really the division that, uh, that we're talking about today and where this, this project that we're going to talk about fits. Very good. Well, thank you for all that background. And it sounds like, like um, a lot of, I was going to say tentacles, that doesn't sound quite right. Lots of <laughs> a wide reach that, um, that Schooler has. So tell us about um, the new barley manufacturing facility in Jerome. There's the construction is underway on it. Um, and our understanding is that the new facility will be processing the protein out of the barley. Can you tell us more about the facility and the process? Uh, you, you bet. So, uh, you know, I think, I think a little bit of background is really important um, and driven by um, uh, our fisheries in the world that are, uh, quite frankly, being overfished. If you, if you want to talk about an industry that has an actual definition for sustainability, um, it's the aquaculture industry. Uh, and so over the last 10 to 15 years, um, there's been a real... Uh, frenzy or a, a lot of energy and investment put toward identifying alternative proteins uh, for producing aquaculture, uh, a lot coming from the vegetable, um, vegetable origin. Uh, and so we, we sat down with some uh, technology developers out of Montana. They're called Montana Microbial Products. Uh, and they had been working on this fractionation process in barley uh, to concentrate the protein. Um, and really that's the driver for what we are going to be using in our process is, is that economic factor of um, trying to drive sustainable ingredients into um, our global food supply. Um, the technology is relatively simple on paper. Um, and, and a term I, I heard last week that I really like is, uh, is converging technologies. So this process is really a convergence of multiple existing technologies and the uniqueness is, is how those are combined. Uh, but in simple form, uh, what we're doing is we're grinding uh, barley into flour after we remove the hole to get rid of the fiber. Um, and we're putting it through a three-step cook process. And in that cook process, we're adding enzymes 
that are accelerating the natural metabolism that takes place um, in any digestive system. And we're cleaving all of the starch uh, branches into simple C6 glucose, right? And that glucose is then suspended as a soluble uh, material. And we spin it off through a mechanical process. We don't use any chemicals um, or, or any other um, harsh treatment uh, to extract it. We're really separating that liquid fraction from what's left. And that's where you end up with the protein. I hope that made sense. I mean, that uh, I, I tried to keep it simple, but uh, and, it, and it, quite frankly, it is. But there's there's a little more complexity to it than that. No, I think that makes sense. And it's just, it's really fascinating too, because for me, you know, barley, barley is made for beer. (laughs) That's what I think of, or it's used for cattle feed. And so to start taking these technologies and breaking them up further and, and optimizing and, and continuing to be cutting edge, I think is super fascinating. What are you going to be doing with the barley protein from this plant? So the, the protein concentrate um, will serve primarily as an alternative ingredient for uh, aquaculture producers. Um, and as you know, in Idaho, uh, we're, we're the largest trout producing state in the country um, for especially restaurant fish. Um, and so what this will allow them to do is have a, a very uh, a highly valuable ingredient in the diet for the fish um, that, that's attractive nutritionally but it's also local um, and it'll allow them to reduce their costs for importing other ingredients like fish meal from overseas um, or uh, other vegetable origin ingredients that are going into those pellets um, that are coming from maybe less desirable uh, nutritional uh, processes. Um, the other thing that we're working on aggressively is to get some regulatory um, issues solved with the FDA. And as soon as we um, get there, uh, we expect to see this ingredient show up in pet food rations as well. So when you mean pet food rations, you're meaning dog food, cat food, that kind of thing. Yep. And I should say pet food diets, um, <laughs> because that's, that's truly what they are. Um, but, uh, everything from treats to the, the kibble to wet food that you feed to your cat and your dog every day. That's fascinating. And all the ingredients that go into even making pet food or different, you know, we're getting into niche marketing, even with pet food, because the farm dogs get the cheapest bag off the, off the shelf. But as the, you know, the urban areas continue to develop and people have more disposable income, people will spend more money on their dogs and want to the, maybe it's a vegetarian or a vegan diet for some of their dogs. And I think it's, it's cool to optimize on, um, on that opportunity. Right. So it's, it's really interesting because, um, you know, I think I'd say for several decades, you know, the concept for, uh, pet food, for example, was put in a lot of cheap fillers and just make, you know, uh, I hate to say junky, uh, uh, nutrition, (laughs) but, uh, really I'd say over the last 20 years, the pet food companies have recognized, not only from the consumer, but just from a, an animal health perspective, that having a, an appropriate diet is really critical to health, right? Nutrition drives so many things in, in our pet companions. 
And uh, uh, so the, the R&D folks, they're looking for a truly functional ingredient that's not just a filler. There's a lot of barley in pep food. Generally, that's used as a binder to hold those kibbles together. Um, but there's no barley protein. And these vegetable proteins are, are functional. Um, and not only that, they're sustainable in their sourcing. A lot of times, um, barley's unique that way. Um, barley's non-GMO uh, being, you know, barley protein concentrate coming from a non-GMO crop. Um, so from that perspective, uh, the natural process and the fact that it's non-GMO and coming from, uh, you know, a sustainable source as opposed to our fisheries or um, rendered meat products, which in some cases aren't attractive, um, barley protein concentrate is a, is a really useful ingredient. Very good. What, where does the rest of the barley go? You were talking about the whole, um, to get rid of the fiber to, to create the barley protein. Um, what happens with the, with the rest of it? Yeah. So that hole goes off. Um, it's about 15% of our process. It, it gets put into a screenings kind of mixed bag and that, that goes directly to livestock, um, as a fiber replacement. Um, and the, the, really the rest of the, the barley ends up as a liquid syrup. So we take this glucose um, solution and we concentrate it down um, into a, a concentrated 70% dry matter syrup. Um, that's, that's got a, a number of applications, but um, primarily it serves as a high energy ingredient for livestock, right? And of course, we're surrounded by uh, dairy and beef cattle here. And so we, we get to put that back into the market um, as a, as a growing ingredient, as, as an energy source. Very good. Very good. So, um, talking about sustainability a little bit, but it sounds like no part of this process is wasted. That's right. Um, in fact, uh, I would say even down into the process, we recover, you know, a, a, a much larger percentage of our water, um, than in a lot of similar operations. And so, uh, we've, we've really tried to, um, like you said, bring every part back into the system and, and utilize it uh, to whatever maximum value we can get from it. I think that's cool to, you know, expand on the sustainability and to continue to get better and better. I'm sure there's still things that each one of our operations um, can do better, but just making a little bit better as we go along and reusing is great. Why did Schooler choose Jerome? You talked about the aquaculture, but was there any other reason they chose like Jerome over Twin Falls or even Northern Utah or, or that sort of thing? Or Canada, quite or honestly. Canada. Yeah. Um, so I think it's important to recognize that uh, the company sees the opportunity for this, this product, these products um, uh, to scale significantly. And we, we fully expect to expand into other areas, but we picked Southern Idaho um, partially because we're here, right? That, I mean, that, that, that should make intuitive sense. But if you think about Southern Idaho, uh, we're in the ideal situation for starting off on a new venture like this. We have all the barley, right? We have uh, the premier barley research. We have um, the, the best growers, quite frankly, for cereal grains in the country, in my opinion. We have between the climate and the water, we have a very consistent crop, which is critical to um, our economics. Um, and so that barley supply is first and foremost, um, the number one driver of our success in terms of conversions in the plant and the quality. 
Um, the second thing that we have here, of course, are the fish, right? So getting um, established in the market and creating these distribution channels for the barley protein concentrate, um, for us, it's a way to manage our risk immediately in terms of bringing this product to market, but it's also uh, a factor uh, or a function of working with our aquaculture partners here in the Valley, right? Um, it, the, the uh, you know, former Clear Springs business, now Riverance, uh, Fish Breeders of Idaho, and then of course, Wilbur Ellis, formerly Rangan, all heavily in the aqua space. They've, they've seen this ingredient, ingredient over the last decade um, in its development, um, and it's very attractive to them. Uh, the third thing, of course, uh, when you're dealing with processing is what do you do with the co-products and the byproducts? The screenings are easy, um, but the syrup, uh, or I should say the sugar, uh, really is, it, it's got to be consistently delivering somewhere. You can't shut the plant down to make protein because you don't have anywhere to go with the syrup. And so what do we have here? We have uh, a very robust and very uh, liquid uh, livestock market here in Southern Idaho. And uh, so we picked uh, Southern Idaho as the place. Now, why Jerome? Uh, quite honestly, um, you know, Minicasha was very much in play for us. Uh, we, we did have some property here, which is where we're constructing now. Um, but when we evaluated the, uh, the, the challenges with our property, um, you know, a lot of people here locally know about the rock <laughs> and, and some other drainage issues. It just wasn't uh, very useful. And uh, Jerome, the city of Jerome really stepped up. You know, the administration there um, really made it work for us. Um, and of course that's very convenient because we're here. We were able to use some property that we own um, and we're right in the heart of all of those other market dynamics that, uh, that I talked about. Um, I, I do wanna call out also the state because uh, for us to get started and, and work on optimizing this first investment, um, being in a place like uh, the state of Idaho is, is really useful. Um, everybody at the, uh, the, the, the uh, commerce and uh, uh, agriculture from Celia Gold and Tom Keeley and the Idaho Barley Commission um, with Laura Wilder and previously Kelly uh, Olson, um, they, they really made some things work for us that's going to uh, help support us in getting this off the runway. Um, and so I, I would argue that, you know, we're at about 90% optimal from a location standpoint. And that's, that's kind of unheard of when you make a new investment like this. Definitely. That's an exciting place to be. And it sounds like uh, you guys hit several, several nails on the head in, in terms of location. Um, how will, how will schooler being in Jerome benefit the local community and then the agriculture community as a whole? Yeah, I think those go hand in hand, Catherine. Um, you know, the first thing I go to, um, in my mind, uh, is the question that we get asked all the time is, will, will there be a huge premium for barley, right? And, you know, I like to put that aside and think about this from a little bit different perspective. Um, sustainable markets are just as critical or more critical to um, the viability of our producers um, and our economy as sustainable products, right? And so I think the first thing to recognize is coming into a community like this where we're surrounded by just top-notch producers, um, what 
what the end effect is, we're creating an alternative market, a new diversified market for their crops, right? Gives them access through the process to, um, to species and export uh, destinations that they wouldn't have had otherwise going through malt or local feed. So I think that's really important to understand. Um, in terms of the local community, I think of local as, as the Magic Valley and the state of Idaho. Um, you know, most of our small cereal grains are being exported and we bring those dollars in. Um, and that's great. Uh, one thing that we're doing here is we're also exporting some of these ingredients or some portion of the ingredients, but we're also giving a direct tie to the local users, um, to the local producers. And so those dollars get to recirculate, um, in our local economy. Um, so I, I think that's really cool. I think it's more than just a story. And uh, we've really seen um, some folks um, re really hone in on that. Um, if, if you don't mind me continuing to ramble, I, th I think there's a couple other points I want to touch on. Number one is, uh, you know, in the barley world, barley is attractive as a, as a crop for our growers here to, to bring into their rotation. But those markets aren't very deep. Uh, traditionally, it's, it's really been around the malt industry. Um, and so by bringing this investment into play, um, we're really expanding the opportunity to incorporate barley as a rotation. Um, there's a number of reasons why it's attractive to the producer. Um, the other thing that I would mention is water quality. So, you know, we, I, I think across the world, everybody recognizes the concern about um, managing our water. Uh, one of the things just, just as, a, as, as a small call out that our process does is it provides an ingredient to those aquaculture producers that can actually help reduce some of the discharge of those uh, pollutants into our snake river system, um, particularly phosphorus. Um, and it's not that we're uh, in the diet removing those, it's just that we're providing an ingredient that doesn't have uh, nearly uh, the level of, of phosphorus that's in, in some of these other ingredients. And so by default, what's going back into the river is, is reduced and it helps us not only comply as a state with the EPA and the DEQ, um, but it really does contribute to that long-term uh, water quality equation. So many benefits um, and it's cool, me living back in Idaho to see these new opportunities for farmers, you know, start popping up and knowing that agriculture, having these new opportunities is sustainable too for our operations and to, to diversify and do more rotation. What hurdles, we've been talking about kind of the po positives and the benefits, but what hurdles have you personally had to overcome or schooler has had to overcome to, to get where you are today? Um, <laughs> where do you want me to start? <laughs> Uh, I started making a list, uh, so I had these in my notes, uh, and I just gave up because I ran out of time. Um, I, I think the one that I would really focus on is around this co-product uh, part of the equation, the, 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 the syrup, the glucose. Um, when the partners, when the licensing partners uh, developed uh, this process and this product, you know, their model was really driven around ethanol. Right. Um, I, I don't think it's any secret that ethanol is created through the fermentation of the sugars in corn. Um, and they, they really were uh, uh, 
going through that intense process at uh, or during the, the growth cycle uh, in the ethanol industry. When we were introduced um, to these uh, individuals, um, you know, the ethanol story was kind of over. Um, you know, I think a lot of people can see what's what's happened in the ethanol space. I mean, we reached a point of equilibrium um, early on and there was there's been and there continues to be a lot of consolidation and it felt really important to us. Uh, I, I should say it was it was very decisional for us not to pursue the ethanol solution for that sugar. And so we spent probably a year uh, of the development process trying to identify uh, an appropriate solution to that. Uh, that will probably be our continuing uh, challenge uh, in terms of scaling. So long as we can get rid of the, uh, the sugars economically um, in the scale that we're talking about, um, we'll be successful and we'll grow. Uh, the protein is, is not an issue. I, I truly believe that between yield economics um, for the producers in Idaho and in other places, I, I don't believe that the barley supply is really going to be an issue. Uh, but that would be the biggest hurdle. Um, so as we, uh, you, you know, a, a credit to, to our company and my team supporting us and, and ha you know, bearing uh, with patience the process of really investigating that solution. Um, and it's important to know we're not an R&D company, right? Uh, but, you know, having that believability that there could be a solution and finally identifying the opportunity um, to, to, to uh, create uh, or, or add a layer to the process for uh, making an ingredient that's acceptable to the livestock industry. That, that was a big process and a, and a big delay, um, but a major success as well. So, uh, so we're really excited about that. And I think, you know, the, the, the hurdles aren't over. Um, we're incorporating a lot of technology, um, information technology um, and automation into this. Um, and I think, uh, you know, the, the partners at Montana Microbial Products, they've been operating out of a pilot plant for uh, about 10 years. We're going to be taking that pilot plant model and scaling up about 20 times. And when you go into a venture like this in a similar kind of product development cycle, you know, the rule of thumb is, is 10 times is, is on the slightly aggressive side. And we're, we're really uh, pushing to... Uh, to grow past that. And I think the challenges that are gonna come are going to be uh, ensuring that we have that product integrity and, and consistency coming through the plant. Very good. Well, it sounds like there's lots and lots of exciting stuff going on um, on your side of the business there in Jerome. Um, anything that you'd like us to know before we wrap up for, for this session? Um, like to add? <laughs> I, I unprompted you, you probably don't want to do that Catherine because uh, <laughs> you could tell I could probably uh, continue to um, just unload a, a ton of information um, I, I think what I would say is um, you know this is part of a, a renewed interest in innovation around our food systems uh, and our agricultural supply chains and I guess I would tell your listeners uh, to buckle up because <laughs> not only is that innovation going to accelerate, but the, the areas where you'll see innovation and te technological advancements um, are going to be, you know, in areas that you never considered, right? 
Um, and so we're excited about this. It's something that uh, we get to own exclusively. Uh, we believe it's going to, you know, enhance our industries. Um, but it is one of many solutions. And so uh, I would encourage uh, everybody to, to be on the lookout and look for those opportunities as producers, um, marketers, processors, users uh, to continue to participate in that. Um, it's, 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 these are really exciting times um, for our entire agricultural uh, system. I think that's sound advice. And I just quick, can you give us a quick construction update? Where are you at and when's the plant going to be rolling? Yeah, no, that's great. Um, we, we will be ready to receive barley uh, and harvest. Um, we did have a delay in the process side with some of the equipment. Uh, I, I think as everybody knows, the, uh, the raw supply uh, of, of, you know, just raw materials uh, is, is a challenge right now coming out of uh, uh, COVID and, and the economy is really hot. Um, so we, we have experienced a little bit of a delay, but uh, we expect to be turning everything on around September. Um, and we, we think it'll take us about 12 to 18 months to get up to full capacity. Um, again, more driven by getting the distribution um, set up and getting our, our customers, uh, you know, their process of incorporating the ingredient. Um, but yeah, we're, we're getting really close. Uh, you can drive by if you want, Jerome, give me a call. Um, you know, we can talk about it in more in depth, take a look, um, but things are really going fast. Oh, that's super exciting. If one last thing, if listeners want to find out more about Schooler or contact you, where's the best way to, um, get that information? So I would really encourage anybody to go to our, our website, uh, pretty cliche, uh, term, uh, but, uh, that's www.schooler.com. Um, and if you want to reach out to me, I'd say, send me an email. Uh, that's J C O L S O N at schooler.com. Uh, try to be an open book and try to be available, but, uh, sometimes that's not the case, but, uh, feel free to reach out anytime. Cool. Well, thank you again, JC, for joining us. And thank you listeners for tuning in to this week's episode of the Millennial Ag Podcast. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, or email us at talktous at millennialag.com. Until next week, we are Millennial Ag.